Time flies when you're having fun, right? Well, 90 minutes of this show have absolutely flown by. Greg Rakestraw filling in for Bob Lovell at his network, Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. It is the summer edition, which means you have a rotating cast of hosts each and every Friday and Saturday night. But there is not a shortage of things to talk about. In other words, any garrison doesn't even need Flavo Flav to fill five minutes of a Network Indiana scoreboard update. You're right, I don't, but that was some fantastic stuff from Flava Flav with Kevin Lee on the Peacock coverage of qualifications. Today on the, for NTT IndyCar, and while we're talking about that, let's recap qualifications for the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix on the Detroit Street Circuit. Alex Pillow, second consecutive P2, 95.734 miles per hour was his speed, which is kind of crazy to think about because last week in Quite frankly, for two weeks, the last two weeks, he was traveling 220 up to 240 miles an hour at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Scott McLaughlin second. Ramon Grosjean will start third. Scott Dixon will start fourth. And then your winner of the 107th running of the Indian will start fifth. Marcus Erickson will start sixth. Coverage tomorrow on Peacock and NBC and the IndyCar Radio Network will start at Three o'clock. Major League Baseball going on right now. Chicago Cubs and the San Diego Padres. Three nothing is the score in favor of the Padres. They just added another run with Fernando Tatis Jr. He went deep, 430 feet to be exact. They're in the bottom of the third right now on Fox Sports One. Only one hit so far for the Cubbies, and that came from Mestromboni. He reached on an infield single in the third inning. Other than that, a bunch of donuts for the Cubs in the hit column. Drew Smiley has issued six hits through two and two-thirds. Cleveland Guardians, Minnesota Twins, 4-2 final score. Sonny Gray, the former Cincinnati Red, current Minnesota Twin, got credited with his first loss of the season. He went six and two-thirds, gave up three runs, including his first home run surrendered of the season. That was because Will Brennan gave up a hit a two-run home run in the top of the seventh inning that gave the Guardians a 3-2 lead before Stephen Quam hit his first homer of the season to give them the 4-2 advantage. Emmanuel Classe picked up his 17th save today. Guardians need a win tomorrow to tie the series in, out of four. Going on right now, the Atlanta Braves, Arizona Diamondbacks, one nothing is the score at Braves in the lead. This game is noteworthy because in the National League, if the Diamondbacks win, they will have the best record in the National League with the Dodgers losing 6-3 to to the New York Yankees today. 2-1 final score in extras in Chicago today between the White Sox and the Detroit Tigers. Not a conventional way, though, to end this one for the White Sox. They win on a wild pitch. Jose Cisnero and Eric Haas, the pitcher-catcher combination for the Tigers, seem to be crossed up. Haas wanted it probably a curve or an off, some sort of off-speed pitch, but Cisnero delivered a fastball, and it went off the face mask of the umpire. He's okay. All good is there, and the White Sox win 2-1. to one. They will go for the series sweep tomorrow against the Tigers. Pittsburgh Pirates, they continue their dominance so far in the season series against the St. Louis Cardinals. They've beat them now four times in six tries. 4-3 win today for the Buccos. David Bednar picked up his 12th save of the season, and they will go for the series sweep tomorrow afternoon, and that game will be on Peacock prior to the NTT IndyCar Series race from Detroit. This afternoon, the Cincinnati Reds tried to come back, but their whole uh, uh, is, <laughs> their 
hole was too deep to dig themselves out of. 10-8 final score with Milwaukee. When Graham Ashcraft has struggled in his last six starts, 10 earned runs today through four innings of work. The Reds are now 26-32. and 32. They have lost three consecutive games after winning five straight. Minor League Baseball, Indianapolis Indians, they defeat the Toledo Munhens 10-7. It's the fourth time they've de- defeated the Munhens in the six-game set. That'll wrap up tomorrow, and all four times they've won, they've scored double digits. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Final hour of the show for the weekend. Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. My name is Greg Rakestraw. In for Bob Lovell. Bob returns in a couple of months. Jimmy Cook was the host last night. I am in this evening. I know Derek Schultz can be in a, a few times during the course of the summer. Uh, I know that Brendan King will get a turn or two. I'm sure Jimmy will be back. I'm back a couple of more times. So names that you know, the crux of the show will not change. What is happening in Indiana sports is what we're going to be talking about. Uh, and again, we have been given this gift. Let's face it. Normally, we get to this time of the year. It'd be like a lot of auto racing, a lot of minor league baseball. We've been given this gift of college baseball. Been sitting here reading all night about Indiana State winning against Iowa tonight, or Indiana winning against Kentucky this evening. Want to make sure that we mention the Ball State Cardinals did make the NCAA tournament. They were the champions of Mid American Conference. Unfortunately, their season came to an end. Uh, they were blanked by Kentucky yesterday for zip, got outslugged by West Virginia 13 to 5. But congratulations to Ball State on making it back to the NCAA tournament. Their season has come to an end. Basically, it's 48 teams get to tomorrow. It'll be 32 by the time you get to tomorrow evening. And then whatever handful of teams that have to come back and play in, if necessary, game on Monday, they'll do that. Obviously, for both. Indiana as well as Indiana State, they are trying to avoid that. So hopefully we got college baseball to talk about for two or three more weeks on this program, but maybe we won't. Something that we do tend to talk about, though, in early to mid-June, because there is at least some activity in which to discuss, would be the Indianapolis Colts. Now, nothing is going to be breaking, at least you hope, in terms of uh, injury news and things like that. Occasionally, you get free agent news, and there was a, a veteran receiver that apparently was working out for the Indianapolis Colts yesterday. I say that apparently because I didn't get a chance to see it, but I did see the Indianapolis Colts practice yesterday. I spent part of my Friday afternoon at 56th Street at the Indianapolis Colts Complex because yesterday was the day of OTAs that was open to the local and national media alike. And it was kind of my first chance to see Anthony Richardson in a Colts uniform. And let's not go crazy about this. Guys are wearing helmets. They're not wearing pads. Uh, they're not tackling. Uh, it, it is a, it, it's drills. It's a glorified walkthrough. And let's face it, quarterbacks are not exactly getting hit during the course of, of preseason camp. Um, if they don't play that much in preseason games, they're not going to have a chance to get hit that much as it is anyway. Um, what I did think was interesting that came from the Colts complex yesterday was the fact that the Indianapolis Colts will have not one but two weeks where they are having joint practices. It's kind of become a staple of the um, days at, at, at Grand Park in Westfield because the Colts are one of the few teams that does go off-site still to have a practice that is open to the public. 
So Colts fans, you might want to, and Bears fans, this applies to you too, because it's the Bears they're working out with at Grand Park in Westfield. So they've not listed the official dates, but um, I've been around the block a time or two with the Indianapolis Colts. Colts and Bears are going to play at Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday, August the 19th. So I feel pretty confident in telling you the Colts and Bears will have joint practices together at Grand Park in Westfield on Wednesday, August 16th, and on Thursday, August the 17th, before they play each other at Lucas Oil. So Colts fan or Bears fan, write that down. I'm going to go to practice that day at Grand Park. The Colts will turn around and play the Philadelphia Eagles, as in the um, Super Bowl runners-up Philadelphia Eagles, and the place where Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator of with former Indianapolis Colts offense coordinator Nick Sirianni uh, over the last couple of years. Colts will work out with the Eagles in Philadelphia before playing them on Thursday, August 24th, which, again, I can tell you means they'll have practices on Monday, August 21st and Tuesday, August 22nd. We think, and by we, all of us guys in the locker room just look at Mike Chappell and go, hey, Chappell, when's the last time this happened? Um, The last time the Colts had a joint practice away from Indianapolis was with the Tennessee Titans in 2000. It's been a while. doesn't happen very often. And I'm sure the other teams that do this, I can't remember teams that did this over the course of two different weeks. It's great in terms of what a team gets out of it. That was noteworthy. But it was good to be around the team yesterday just to start to get in that football mindset. The, uh, the Colts will have one more week of what they call OTAs, then one more week of minicamp, and I'll spend a more extensive amount of time with the team, not next week, but the week after. And then after that, kind of goes all quiet on the Western Front for about 40 days before training camp will get underway at Grand Park in Westfield coming up that last week of July. Camp should open about July 25th, July 26th, about in that time frame. So it's uh, never that far away. We'll go from one type of football to another when we come back on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. Game one of the Stanley Cup final is in the books, and the Vegas Golden Knights take game one. Final score, 5-2. to two. Three goals in the final period of play for the Knights. Game two will be on Monday night. You can watch all the action for the Stanley Cup Finals on TNT. College baseball today. Indiana Hoosiers, Kentucky Wildcats. That was in the Lexington Regional. And the Indiana Hoosiers, they defeat the Wildcats 5-3 to three after scoring four runs between the 7th and the 8th. They go ahead in the bottom of the seventh inning with a three-run home run. Made it 4-3 to three and add insurance. At the bottom of the eighth, they will take on the winner of Kentucky-West Virginia tomorrow at 6 o'clock because the West Virginia Mountaineers, they unfortunately defeated the Ball State Cardinals today 13-5. to five. That game between Kentucky and West Virginia will be at noon. And the Terre Haute Regional, the Indiana State Sycamores, they are also moving on in their regional in the winner's bracket. They defeat the Iowa Hawkeyes 7-4, to four, and they'll play tomorrow at 6 o'clock as well. Division two level, the University of Indianapolis Greyhounds, my beloved Greyhounds, they fall to Millersville 6-5. to five. They were leading after the top half of the sixth inning, 
And then in the bottom of the seventh, Millersville hits a three-run home run to go ahead 6-5. The Greyhounds unable to take the lead between the eighth and the ninth innings. Good news, though. They're back in action on Monday. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Well, I mentioned we can go from one type of football to another last segment on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports. Not Greg Rakestraw filling in on this Saturday night. Normally on Saturday night, this time of year, I'm calling Bob or Jimmy or Derek. Last night I called Jimmy at 940. He said, hey, you want an Indy 11 update? So I work for both the Indianapolis Colts and the Indy 11. I think I speak both types of football. Well, the Indy 11 on the men's side last night, went down to Charleston and did something I have never seen before. They got a penalty called against the other team in less than 30 seconds. And that penalty drew a red card, which meant that Indy played a man up for 93 and a half minutes last night. As you can imagine, that went well. Indy a 4-0 winner against the team that at the end of the weekend will still be in first place in the Eastern Conference in the Charleston Battery. So what I'm not doing this show on Saturday nights, I am doing um, Soccer Saturday on our flagship station, 93.5 and 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. So my day at the radio station began, oh, about 15 hours ago. I don't have a real job. Don't feel sorry for me. I get paid to you know, go to ball games for a living. But I was here like at 8.30 to get ready for a 9 a.m. show. So I called Mark Lowry, the head coach of the Indy 11 at the Atlanta airport, on his way back to Indy after a 4-0 victory in Charleston last night. And I started the conversation by saying, hey, how you feeling after a 6 a.m. wake-up call on a Saturday morning? Yeah, feeling pretty good. Tired, early start. We had a, a 6 a.m. wake-up call and currently Atlanta um, waiting to board to get back to Indy. So, But it feels better with three points, obviously. Uh, obviously, you have you have done a lot in this game, and you have seen a lot. Have you ever seen a penalty and a red card that early in a match? No, no, I haven't. Um, and it makes the the game interesting because it does change everything, right, from both teams' perspectives. Um, how we were going to press and play against eleven men is different against ten. Um, so it's, it was a very unique start to the game, one that was in our favor, obviously. And so we've been preaching to the guys and demanding the last few weeks start fast put them under pressure because when you do if you put a good ball over the top in the first minute things like that can happen so it was about time we we did that and we kind of got that little bit of luck that we haven't we haven't got the last few weeks the the luck bounced your way and then you capitalized on it especially early in the match on the first penalty by Aiden and then when they quick three succession of goals from from the 70th minute on Let's get to Aiden in terms of being the guy that's going to be your penalty taker. Because now he's taken three, he's made all three, so clearly you've picked the right guy. Is that like an audition you have in the start of the season? What sort of process goes into that? No, I'll be honest with you that there was a process because we've got four or five guys in this team that, that, that were their previous team's penalty takers in the past. No, Jack's taken them, Granddaddy's taken them, Aiden's taken them, Solo's taken them. Um, we've got a lot of guys that can do it, but I, we actually went through and watched everyone's penalties. All, all, all players that we thought could be a candidate for, we went through and watched everyone's penalty kicks. And and Aiden didn't miss. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he took a few last year in Phoenix, and he didn't miss one. So it was like, this guy just seems cool, calm, and collected. And so from from, from the get-go, I said, Aiden's our penalty taker. And, you know, we had a penalty first game of the season, right, against um, Tampa in the last minute. Pressure on, pressure on the line, you know, to get a point, and he scores it. So... 
he's proven he's proven our decision right because he's fantastic in those situations. You've got three tremendous midfielders that all have a lot of similar qualities between Jack and Cam and, and Aiden. What is it that is kind of unique about Aiden's game that maybe even Jack and Cam don't do? Um, yeah, they're obviously different. Um, Aiden's obviously got a left foot, which 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 makes him a little bit different, but, you know. Sure. From from the get go, superficially, but I think Aiden. Aiden's got a personality about him where he he needs to feel under pressure to play well, um, and not not everyone's like that. Aiden really steps up when the game's on the line, or if I put him under pressure, or if, if I've got it after him a little bit, or the team's getting after him, he actually rises those occasions. He the adversity doesn't seem to bother him. He actually, I think, thrives on it. So he's definitely got that personality of a winner, where. You know, I can count all the guys, but he, he's one that, you know, you can prod and poke, and he, and, he, and he really steps up to the plate. Again, Mark Lowry joining us here on Soccer Saturday on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, again, when you've got a man advantage for 93 minutes, it, it changes everything. The back four, again, you're all center back, back line, because it, it, it's what you've got. Uh, and obviously, maybe a, a little less attacks than you would have had anticipated as, as the match went along because of the conditions. But just your thoughts about the way the guys in the back held up for you again this week? Yeah, I mean that, that's the reality, right? When you got four centre backs on the field, you're just not going to be as attacking and, and get into the situations you probably want to get in. You know, against ten or eleven men, it's just the reality of it. Um, Gustav with left wing backs not going to attack like maybe Robbie Dambrot would if he was playing there. That's against Gustavo, but these are the type of players that they are, and, and this is their profile. This is what we have right now. So, guys playing out of position. Misha playing a little bit wider than normal on the right side of that. Jack kind of tucking in with him uh, out of position as well to kind of make a five in the back when we need to. Um, but, I mean, you know, really poor goal we gave away last week against Louisville from the corner. Really poor goal, but that's, that's three games now where we haven't conceded from open play since we've gone to, to, to a back five and and had this adversity. So they're really stepping up to the plate. I've been super proud of their work. Um, we put them under pressure. We demand a lot from the defenders these last few weeks because, frankly, in Sacramento, it wasn't good enough. And they've risen to the occasion, so I've got nothing but good things to say about them right now. Uh, and in terms of, of those those needed backs, uh, and from an injury standpoint, who might be the first guy you think we see back first? I think Dan Brock's back first. Um, if I had to put it in order, I'd say Dan Brock, then probably Macker and Eunice, similar time frame. And then Brian, not long after that, we're going to be a little more careful with Brian because he, he redid right. the hamstring. This is his second one, kind of back-to-back, so we have to be a little more careful with him. Even though timeline-wise, he'll probably be back. We want to be a little bit more cautious. Um, so Rob, Robbie Dambrot will hopefully, fingers crossed, be back in the 18 this coming weekend if this week goes well from his rehab. And obviously, you know, it's like I mentioned this earlier in the show, you basically took 15 guys. I mean, you didn't have anything yeah. close to a full bench for, for the game. Do you have to do anything differently in terms of how you train, or is this where having those academy kids available is such a godsend to you? The, 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 unfortunately, that these academy kids haven't been available. Either. They've been injured as well. Jeez. <laughs> we, we haven't had one academy player available until this weekend where we you obviously saw Benji uh, being the, you know, the 60 and he came on this past weekend. Yep. He's, everyone else has been injured as well. So it's been real rough uh, going of it, you know, trying to get an 18 out there these past few weeks. But, you know, I thought the guys last night when they came on, you know, it was 1-0. And I felt even though we we're winning, like we've got to go get the second goal. Um, because playing against 10 men is very difficult. It's a bit of a... 
a mess that it gets easier. It actually doesn't get easier because they raise their game. They dig it a little bit harder. Sure. Um, uh, you know, to, de- to defend and, and do what they need to do to keep it at 1-0. And they're trying to nick a goal towards the end. So we knew that, yeah, we'd contain them. They didn't really have any chances. But the longer it goes on, in those last few minutes, I'll start throwing more people forward in the hope of scoring. Uh, so we needed the second goal last night. So bringing on Harrison and, and, and Rob Molina, I thought really kind of gave us energy and intensity in the attack. Obviously, more attack-minded players than what we had on the field. And, you know, they played pivotal roles in getting us to 4-0. That was huge. Before we let you go, uh, this is now something very rare for you in June. You've got a weekend off. After you catch up on sleep, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it'll be it's nice having the weekend off with three points. Um, um, my daughter's actually in a tournament, so hopefully I get to see a few of her games and be a bit of a dad for a couple of days and then... Monday morning, really, really get back on with it because we've got a good home game against Harper coming up. We want to start from a little bit of a run together now. We feel we're in good form. We shouldn't have lost against Louisville. If we hadn't lost against Louisville, that would be three unbeaten going the home yep. game against Hartford where we're going to push to get the victory as well. So we feel like we're in a good good place right now, but we've got to keep this run going. All right, go be a dad. Safe trip home, and, and thanks for the time on the early morning, buddy. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Ray. Take care. Yeah, that's Mark Lowry, and that originally aired on Soccer Saturday on and 107.5 The Fan at our flagship station in Indianapolis. Again, the Indy 11 men are at home next Saturday against Hartford Athletic. I also serve as the voice of the Indy 11 women's team, and they played last night against Racing Louisville's Academy. If you follow soccer, Racing Louisville plays in the NWSL. Their academy team largely comprised of uh, college-level players, much like most of the Indy 11 women's side. They played to a 1-1 draw last night. Those two teams will play again on Tuesday the Indy 11 women are back in action next Friday at Grand Park in Westfield as they will take on Lexington, Kentucky in their matchup next Friday night. But again, it's a busy soccer weekend for me next Friday and Saturday, although another one of my gigs kind of gets in the way. And I'll tell you about that maybe in the next segment of the segment after that. Network Indiana is Indiana Sports Talk. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. NTT IndyCar Series back in action tomorrow for the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix from the Detroit Street Circuit. Qualifications today, and uh, William Jonathan Drayton Jr. stops by with Kevin Lee. Diff, look who I'm with. This is my new friend, Flava Flay from Public Enemy. Welcome yeah. to IndyCar. And this is my new friend, Kevin Lee, in the place to be because he's rocking from the bottom to the T.O.P. right here at the Grand Prix. How about that one? I don't know that I have a follow-up from this. Have you been to IndyCar before? What do you make of what you're seeing? Hey, I've never been to an IndyCar race ever in my life. I've always been a big fan of racing, though, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, back in the days, you know, my racing greats were people like like, like Al Unser and Mario Andretti, you know, people like that, you know. You know, the old greats, the old legends. Flavor Flav stopped by on the Peacock coverage of Qualls today. Alex Pillow with his first ever P1 on a street circuit or a street course. He will start first. Scott McLaughlin second. Ramon Grosjean third. Scott Dixon fourth. Joseph Newgarden fifth. Marcus Erickson will start sixth. Coverage starting at 3 o'clock on Peacock and NBC tomorrow for the race. And high school athletics Softball state finals are set. Two-way state championship, 5.30. That will feature Andrean and North Posey. New Prairie and Tri-West will be at 8 o'clock for the 3A state championship on Friday. We'll get to Saturday in the next update. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. 
In the backstretch of our little two-and-a-half-hour get-together of Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk, thanks to all the guests that joined us during the course of the program. John Sherman, radio voice of the Indiana State Sycamore baseball team as they are one win away from qualifying for the Super Regionals. Austin Render, who is the radio voice of the Indiana Hoosiers baseball team, they beat Kentucky. They are one win away from qualifying for the Super Regionals. Last time that Indiana played in the Super Regionals, they went to Tallahassee, one two from Florida State. Star player of that Indiana team is Kyle Schwarber. I think you're kind of familiar with what's happened to him over the course of the last decade. That team would go on to play in the College World Series. Just something to kind of keep in mind from an historical perspective for Indiana. Howard Kelman joined us. The Indianapolis Indians were winners this, this evening against the Toledo Mudhens. Kurt Darling joined us. He was on the call of the Unified Track and Field State Championships earlier today on the IHSAA Champions Network. Nick Yeoman of the IndyCar Series, already the head coach of the University of Indianapolis Greyhounds. And Mark Lowry, head coach of the Indy 11. Uh, barring something changing with an unexpected phone call, that's the extent of the guest list on the program tonight. The rest of the way, I'll do my best to get you home. Um, whenever I am now filling in, radio for well over a decade was my full-time avocation on a couple of different stints. These days, it tends to be more television or simply video streaming. And usually when I am doing something of the uh, radio ilk, Oftentimes, I craftily work in plugs for what I'm doing from a video standpoint. Well, I think my schedule for the upcoming week does kind of fit the general idea of this show, which is to largely celebrate all things high school sports. And in a large part, given the background of the man that has been the host of this program for the entire 29 years of his existence in Bob Lovell, being a basketball guy, even though Bob played baseball in college too and does a pretty good job usually on the state finals of the, as a radio analyst uh, for baseball. I'm not sure if he's going to reprise that this summer or not, but he's done it over the course of the years. But he is a basketball guy. Well, from a basketball standpoint, if it's June and it's Indiana, historically in basketball, maybe we've lucked into some Pacers playoff games over the years. You got to go back 23 years for the Pacers to have played in the NBA Finals. That ages me just saying that. But June in Indiana usually is reserved for the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series. And that tips off tomorrow because the Indiana Juniors play the Kentucky Juniors tomorrow. I will be fortunate enough to have the call of those two games on the ISC Sports Network. We as ISC will be web streaming the Sunday doubleheader between Indiana and Kentucky. The Wednesday doubleheader between the Indiana Juniors and the Indiana Seniors. And then the games in Owensboro and the games back at Gamebridge Fieldhouse for the first time in four years. And this year there are four games taking place at Gamebridge. There are the Futures games for the girls, the Future game for the boys, and then the traditional doubleheader featuring Indiana and Kentucky. And over the course of the last 20 years, I have served a variety of roles as far as this game is concerned. Uh, I have called the games in both Indiana and Kentucky each of the last two years. Obviously, we did not play in 2020. 2019, 
I did the game in Kentucky, did not do the game in Indiana. For many years, I did the junior-senior game, uh, but wouldn't do the weekend games. I have done radio over the years, both in Kentucky and in Indianapolis. I want to say the first year, again, I'm I'm now of, of an age where everything is rounded, whether it's my physique or number of years that you have done something. But this is spot on. 20 years ago was the first time that I did radio for the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series. So a uh, guy like Justin Cage was Mr. Basketball uh, on that team. I believe that would have been 2003. That was Pike that went undefeated. They were 29-0. He'd go on to play at Xavier, and I think he ended up playing 15 years, largely over in Belgium, over in Europe of that group. Mr. Basketball this year is Marcus Burton representing Penn, heading to Notre Dame. Uh, Layla Hull, Miss Basketball, heading to North Carolina from Zionsville. They will both play for Team Indiana. Uh, because it is right in front of my nose, the juniors of note immediately coming to mind would be one Flory Badunga of Kokomo, who is continuing to rocket up the ratings charts in terms of uh, potentially being the top player in his high school class in the country. That's how good Flory Badunga has been. Um, his, his dunks have been jaw-dropping. His ability to rebound and block shots have been fascinating. He has typically been a guy that has not ventured far uh, from what he does well, which is throw it down uh, in, in terms of offensively. But in his spring AAU circuit, there's been rumors of a jump shot that that young man has developed to make him even a more dominant factor in high school basketball. He is playing tomorrow. Cannon Catchings of Brownsburg is playing tomorrow. Jack Benter is playing tomorrow. Both of those two that have verbaled uh, to Purdue University. Um, there's been some kind of conversation about whether that that, that Cannon maybe there could be a, a changing of the mind. We'll see. Bring all those kids will be playing tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, from the senior class on, on the guy's side, you've got a couple of kids off that Ben Davis State Championship team that comes to mind. Uh, you've got Xavier Booker, obviously, up Cathedral, headed to play at Michigan State. It is quite the talented group, as it always is from this state, because that is what we do. So I'll have three of the four days of competition. We as a company, as an ISC, will have all four of the days. We won't show the two Futures games from Gamebridge Fieldhouse, um, but I will have the call of the two games tomorrow in Jeffersonville. I'll have the call of the games from Cathedral on Wednesday night, and I will head to the Owensboro Sports Center, a place that, or if I'm getting into round number territory, I get to go back like 27 years at this point that I have been calling games from that building because it has been the home of the Kentucky Wesleyan College Panthers for well over six decades. And any of you fine folks that could be listening, say on WITZ and Jasper, any of other many great Southwestern Indiana affiliates that carry this program, you know that no trip to Owensboro can happen without a trip to Moonlight Barbecue. And you better believe I took the entire crew last year to Moonlight. How many of our crew behind the scenes have said, hey, we're, we're, we're going to Moonlight before the game, right? Yes, we are. Okay, then sign me up for a trip for, for, to Owensboro. I will voluntarily get back. Well, not volunteer as in not getting paid. They're going to get paid for working. But I will make that trip to Owensboro. Norm. We're not getting back until like 2 or 3 in the morning. But I'll do it for barbecue. 
That's how good the barbecue is at Moonlight Barbecue. So this is kind of a staple of what my June is every year. Get to see the best about-to-be high school seniors in this state, but also get to see kids represent their home state. In years gone by, guys have gone on to play at Indiana University. Obviously, there has been a pipeline to Purdue over the course of the last few years. It appears that Micah Shrewsbury has opened up a pipeline to Notre Dame as well as now both Marcus Burton and Logan Imes will head to play at Notre Dame after playing at Penn and Zionsville, respectively. And both those two young men, of course, will be playing for the Indiana All-Stars coming up for the next week. There's always a lot of chatter on social media. Well, it's not like it used to be. Well, it can be. I mean, it's done differently. Because of the time allowed and kids having to be on campus, what was almost like a a, a two-week or three-week thing is now like five days. That's the window you get. But in terms of going to watch the game, you can do that. It's inexpensive. And if you can't make it, it costs you $10 to watch the game on your phone, on your laptop, on your smart TV. And so... Is it like it was 30, 40 years ago? Maybe not. But can you still support basketball in this state, either in person or by watching it via via pay-per-view? Absolutely you can. And has the caliber of talent ever been better than coming out of this state than it is right now? I don't think so because I see it every winter, and it's really good. So go check it out over the course of the next seven days. ISC Sports Network has you covered. Back with more in a moment. With this network, Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update. I'm Eddie Garrison. Final update of the night, though, Saturday on June 10th. Softball state championship times are 4.30 Eastern and 7 o'clock. At 4.30 Eastern, it's the Class 1A. Caston will be taking on Tecumseh and Class 4A. That'll be the more coveted matchup of the weekend between Penn and Ron Cully. That's at 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central. College baseball today, the Indiana Hoosiers, they defeated the Kentucky Wildcats to advance on in the winner's portion of the bracket. They will play the winner of the Kentucky Wildcats-West Virginia Mountaineers game tomorrow at 6 o'clock. That's because West Virginia defeated the Ball State Cardinals 13-5 today. Also moving on in the winner's portion of their bracket in their own regional, the Indiana State Sycamores, they'll play at 6 o'clock tomorrow as they defeated the Iowa Hawkeyes today 7-4. Division Two action, the University of Indianapolis Greyhounds in their Super Regional lost 6-5 to Millersville. They will play again on Monday. Minor League Baseball, the South Bend Cubs defeated the Fort Wayne Tincaps 11-4. The Indianapolis Indians, they defeated the Toledo Munheads 10-7. And in their four, game, four wins out of five so far, they've scored 10 or more runs in all four games. In Major League Baseball today, the Milwaukee Brewers, they defeated the Cincinnati Reds 10-8. The Reds have now lost three straight games. The Pittsburgh Pirates defeated the St. Louis Cardinals. They now have the worst record in the National League, 4-3 win for the Buccos. Chicago White Sox pick up a win in extras, 2-1 over the Detroit Tigers. And the Minnesota Twins fall to the Cleveland Guardians, 4-2. Great job by Eddie Garrison on the scoreboard update. So at the course tonight, thank you, Chris, on the ones and twos, making sure that our signal gets to you on great radio stations across the state of Indiana on this Saturday night. The 
first weekend in June, our first weekend without Bob Lovell on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. He is back the first week in August as he will then begin year number 30 of this program. We had Nick Yeoman on the show about 90 minutes ago, and we primarily focused on uh, the upcoming race in Detroit. And again, that race has always been, you know, it's been at Belle Isle. They've often run twice. Sometimes they have run once. There's been some track issues there. It maybe always hasn't been the most entertaining race. Well, they're taking it to the streets. Is that a Bob Seeger line, by the way? I'm, I'm like, Lovell would know this. I'm, I may be quoting the wrong artist there. Um, you get the idea. They moved it back across the river. They're in downtown. I'm not sure how good of a race it's going to be. Find out tomorrow. But I have IndyCar in the brain as I'm thinking, all right, you got two segments left to go. You got five minutes in this one. What are you going to talk about? Well, what you're going to talk about in this one was the experience that I had last week of being at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And my race day experience on race day uh, starts at about 4 a.m. when the alarm goes off to make sure I don't oversleep, knowing I've got to be on a microphone at, six o'clock and like a second after the fireworks slash cannon slash bomb goes off to let folks know that gates are open at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So I got to be in place. I got to be there by about 535, 45. And I can tell you, I may come from farm stock. That's not natural for me. So there's a couple of different alarms that are set, but I'm trying to wake up the wife and the kids at the same time. So I had about a 14 hour day last Sunday, but it's so worth it. So I'm fortunate enough to be one of the four people who get to be on the public address um, booth over the course of race day. And we've got two other great reporters and Georgia Henneberry and Anthony Calhoun as well. But this was my fourth race day of being on the microphone, at least for a part of race day at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And then this was the 10th year in a row that I have been one of the primary voices in terms of post-race coverage um, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on our flagship radio stations, Indianapolis on 93 WIBC and what is now 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So I get to try to make sense of what just happened. So I had two and a half hours to do that last. You get the great colleagues like Kurt Darling, Mike Thompson, John Herrick, et cetera. And I can sit here and break down what happened in the race in terms of Joseph Newgarden winning on the third restart, the third different red flag restart. Um, they're going to make every effort to finish that race under green. They will not extend it past 500 miles. That meant a one-lap shootout that Joseph Newgarden was able to get past last year's winner in Marcus Erickson. It will be at least 22 years between having repeat winners at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We can talk about the tire that went flying because that is not supposed to happen, and I guarantee you, Folks from Delara, folks from Firestone, folks from other uh, stakeholders in the series have been working on that for the last few days because it's been a long time since that happened. And we were exceedingly lucky that that tire exited the racetrack, went over the catch fence, and managed to find a rare opening in terms of the bleachers between the end of what is in the uh, south chute and the turn two suites. And that our story about that was simply a wonderful lady who lost her car named Snowball to a flying tire. And then that car is going to be replaced by the folks at 16th and Georgetown. But the thing that will stick with me from this year's 500 is the thing that sticks with me every year. 
And as more and more people are back at the track, it's the fact that we have something that does not exist anywhere on the planet. We have it in Indianapolis. We have it in Indiana. That the largest single-day sporting event in the world takes place here in this town and in this state, and I get to be a part of it. And that's what sticks with me every year from the Indianapolis 500. Back to wrap it up next. Greg Rakestraw in for Bob Lovell on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Final go-around for us this evening here on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Again, thank you to our guests, John Sherman, radio voice of the Indiana State Sycamores, Austin Render, radio voice of Indiana University Baseball, Kurt Darling from the IHSAA Champions Network, of course, one of our Flagship stations, 93 WIBC. Uh, thank you so much uh, to Nick Yeoman for joining us on the program. Al Reddy, head baseball coach at the University of Indianapolis, as well as Mark Lowry, head coach of the Indy 11. Again, to follow all of the stories that we have been talking about on the uh, show tonight, here are the couple of regional brackets Then, which, uh, well, teams will be playing tomorrow. The Indiana Hoosiers will play at 6 o'clock tomorrow. They will play the winner of the noon game tomorrow between Kentucky, the number one seed in the region, and West Virginia, the number two seed in the region. If Indiana wins tomorrow, they are on to the Super Regional. If they lose, they'll come back and play the same team that would have beaten them in a winner-take-all game on Monday. As far as the Sycamores of Indiana State are concerned, they're in the exact same boat. They will play tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. They will take on either Iowa, whom they beat today. Indiana State actually played Iowa the first game of the season. And Iowa won on a walk-off grand slam in the 11th inning all the way back in late February. I guarantee you that game was not played in Iowa City nor Terre Haute in late February. Somewhere down in Florida, I know it was. But anyway, Iowa and North Carolina will play uh, tomorrow at noon. Loser goes home. Winner gets Indiana State. Again, if Indiana State wins, they're on to the Super Regional. Um, from a seed standpoint, I think they are matched up with Arkansas, but uh, you never know how things could change on that front. So if you're looking to kind of follow the Division One college baseball story tomorrow, look on ESPN+. Plus. Um, I know the Indiana game was on SEC Network tonight, so I was watching a good chunk of that before I came downtown to do the show tonight. Uh, but 6 o'clock tomorrow night. To watch those two. Since we referenced IndyCar, three o'clock tomorrow on NBC. Of course, listen on many of these same radio stations that are carrying Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. You'll be able to hear the IndyCar Radio Network. Mark Jaynes and company on the call uh, on the streets of Detroit, the Grand Prix of Detroit. Since I'm referenced the Indy 11, again, you want to watch the Indy 11? They're at home Friday night on the women's side against Lexington. Home matches played indoors, so if it's 90 outside, 72 inside uh, when the Indy 11 women will take on Lexington uh, coming up next Friday night. You've got one chance to see the Indy 11 men at home this month. It is next Saturday against Hartford Athletic, downtown campus of IUPUI. Of course, earlier this week was the big groundbreaking for the all-new 11 park. That is set to be open for the beginning of the 2020 five season indianapolis indians home tomorrow against victor against uh, the little mud hens victory field 
135 is the start time there. I'm sure I will be joining the show late next Friday from Owensboro, early in the show next Saturday after hopefully an 11 victory. I'll speak to you in a shorter amount next Friday and Saturday night. Thanks for putting up with me this Saturday evening. I appreciate it. Greg Rakestraw in for Bob Lovell on Indiana Sports Talk.